When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Scott, I am dreaming of being in Tahiti right now after coming off of that event and waterwaystravel.com would be the way to get there. Have you ever been to Tahiti? I have not. Oh my God. It's a bucket list for everybody. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's, 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 it's kind of like the wave itself at Chopu. Like it doesn't really do it justice to watch it on the screen. Like if you're there in person, the mountain ranges, the beauty of Tahiti is next level through the roof, just as if you're sitting in the channel at Chopu. It's when you're there, it's like I said, you got to go bucket list well, to use waterways travel to get there. I, I mean, we as surfers really only look at um, the waves, you know, like, but obviously Tahiti has so much more to offer. I have friends, um, family friends who uh, don't surf but they honeymooned in Tahiti this year, just a few months ago. And they were like, never need to go to Hawaii again. Never need to go any other tropical destination. Tahiti is it, you know, it really and, is. Uh, and if they surfed, they would not be able to eliminate Hawaii from their list. But, you know, they felt like Tahiti's just the most beautiful. It's, it's next level. And I will say this, and the guys at Waterways would tell you this too. Um, when you go, I would highly suggest that you charter a boat yeah, and just kind of cruise around. You could, you should be land-based as well, but part of your trip should be like four days on a trimaran just cruising. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what they were saying through the commentary of the event was that um, you're more likely to get a boat when you turn of age than a car in Tahiti. Yeah. Um, but I mean, not just in regard to waterways, they're obviously making today's show possible, but they're not, just uh tahiti specific they've sean murphy at waterways has kind of pioneered a lot of the iconic spots or pioneered travel anyways for a lot of the surf spots that um i grew up kind of looking at in the magazines um everything south america central america um sumatra sumba like all sorts of stuff so check them out waterwaystravel.com for all of your travel needs they're kind of like a concierge for surf travel so yeah, waterways travel. And then, of course, um, keeping us fueled through today's show, we've got athleticgreens.com slash surf. Everything you need in one morning beverage. Yes, my my son was here recently visiting, and I got him on the AG1. He's a big fan, and he's he's not one to eat broccoli, you know? He's more of like yeah. sausage and meat, you know? <laughs> he's a meat and potatoes guy. Yeah. But um, he's psyched on the AG1, you know, he went right to it. He was worried. He's like, oh, what does it taste like? I'm like, dude, it tastes killer. And he was like, yeah. And he pounded it and loved it. And so he's on the program. AG1. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody in our family is too. Lauren drank it all through her pregnancy. Um, so, and Austin turned out perfect, a perfect little <laughs> angel of a human being. <laughs> so we could thank Athletic Greens for that. Anyways, our portal it, for you to receive optimal health. Uh, and to support our work is athleticgreens.com slash surf. Well, and let's be clear too. Um, 
the listeners don't know this, but you guys were going to name your son Athletic Greens, but it didn't make sense. So you went with the A theme anyway and chose Austin. Correct. Yeah, his first name was going to be Athletic, middle name Greens. Then they switched their kind of identity to AG1, threw everything out the window. Became Austin. Exactly. Yeah. Austin Greens scales. <laughs> But he was fueled by it in, in utero, so that's good. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Oh, my. Yeah, guy. Listen to us. We're talking surf. It is Spit, David Lee Scales and Scott Bass with you talking all things surf. And it's a Monday morning. It's August 22nd. Feels like the middle of summer, but it also feels like the end of summer for some reason. Um, Which is it, David? I ask you, does it feel like middle of summer or end of summer? Um, Time has lost all meaning for me. I have no idea where I am at any given time uh it's hot like the summer that's all that i can yeah. say yeah well uh, you know what gosh, you know what i yeah. see kids going back to school that's an indicator that summer is over yes. that's created congestion in my morning kind of walk with austin and various things that i do going to get coffee now it takes an extra five minutes so yes. it's end of summer this is the thing that makes us feel like the seasons are changing the kids are going back to homeschooling well when i was i mean honestly that dominated the first 18 years of my life was those cycles of school and so everything in your life revolves around kind of knowing when you're basically not going to be in school just looking forward to those breaks yeah yeah and now it's now it's like i have zero relevance but i see those kids or awareness of the time but i see those kids with the backpacks on in that first week, which I think might've been last week, going back to school and I still get a pit in my stomach the same way I did when I was 13 and I had to go back to school and summer was over, you know? Let me ask you this. Did you, were you um, of the generations that used school buses? Did you get on a school bus? Yeah, I did. I did too. And that's a thing that's lost. That's kind of, well, at least in our region, I'm sure there's school buses all over the world, all over uh, California. north america as well but yeah school buses are kind of gone in this area it's all like you know morning drop off and afternoon pickup it's all teslas and range rovers dropping off their kids it's it's kind of weird because the school bus was was um was neat because it created a sense of of equanimity and Mm -hmm. we were all kind of the same we were all on a school bus there was no me getting on a school bus and little johnny getting dropped off in a range rover yeah well to be clear for listeners uh school bus do still exist and the schools still use them it's just that parents don't really let their kids ride them if you're of any level of means you're taking your kid to school you're dropping them off yourself basically i don't know your the nanny is i don't see any school buses in my region i'd be shocked if they didn't exist i'm telling you man why would they eliminate them um budgets budget cuts uh, uh, huh do you know are still run check this out 
I was talking to my mother-in-law and when they lived in North Carolina, the kids would get their driver's license and get jobs driving the school buses. The school buses were literally driven by people, kids, 17 year olds with new driver's license. They just got a job. They were just hire them right off the, right oh out of the class. Oh my gosh, that's insane. And as you may know, you know, when I was a kid, we took driver's education in high school. It was a class that you took to get your driver's yeah. license. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. Ours, mine wasn't a class in high school, but um, they had much more qualified drivers driving our school buses. Actually, maybe not. The dudes who were driving the school buses, if I remember correctly, were selling you weed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't far from that. You know, it's like it's a real. It was paradox. like auto auto on the Simpsons. Hundred percent. It's like the people you hire to uh, come put your security system in your house. <laughs> also a paradox they look like they just got out of jail yesterday <laughs> they know what they're doing man yeah that's so funny that does kind of remind me of a meme that i saw this weekend which was something to the effect of like uh jury duty is wild they take people who aren't smart enough to get out of jury duty and help them have them help solve a murder and then give you 15 dollars and say thanks uh, that's a bit of a stretch, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think well, people that get jury duty summons appreciate the civil responsibility and attend to it with a passion. Well, that's good. That's what I like to believe. <laughs> of my fellow <laughs> men who I encounter every day, I don't know how much many of them I would trust to be. Uh, I'm fascinated by jury duty. I'm, I'm fascinated by like. I guess I'm getting to that age where it's like, I can't wait to be on jury duty. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm not at that age yet. Oh, that's a sign. That's a sign. Well, um, we've seen each other. I've seen you more in this past week than I've seen some of my most beloved family members. I'm sorry uh, about that. I, I know you should be. Yeah. Um, but here we are on a Monday. It's a Monday show, which is unusual for us, but we really wanted to, um, uh, talk about the excitement that we were feeling about the show, the Tahiti event. I'm not going to say the name of the surf spot, uh, the Tahiti pro event <laughs> that took place last week. I mean, our, what, the most exciting day of surfing that I've witnessed since pipe earlier this year, for sure. Yeah. I, I think in some regards, you know, these wrap up shows can, can be a little bit too much, but this one, um, because a lot of the wrap-up's been done already. You know, everyone's already kind of consumed their thoughts about the event. And in this day and age of media, we just were just moving on almost to, to September. But, you know, we did see some incredible surfing. We saw um, some really horrific surfing as well. And we saw some people kind of dancing around the gnar one of the gnarliest, if not the gnarliest wave in the world for the, for the Pro Tour. And that needs to be discussed you know like there are like four or five bullet points that need to quickly be pulled out and teased apart here um and that's why you and i are here that's the that's the void that we fill in the surf space because nobody else is giving that rundown um but i will say before we hit that just as an event itself and us kind of constantly beating the drum or you beating the waves of the stars drum and me beating the drum of just put the best surfers in the best waves I feel like um, I'm being negative when I keep saying that, but it's only because we run in poor waves eight out of 10 times. 
And then that day, what that did was provide such a stark contrast that reminded me why I have such vitriol on those other events. And it's not just that poor waves versus good waves. What the good waves reminded me of was how unique surfing is and how uh, mat, I mean, magical for lack of a better word. And I'll try to like, I know it's going to sound cliched, but it was what makes surfing better than any other quote sport on the planet. Like, and I know people talk about climbing is you're one with nature and that you hit this euphoria and all this stuff, or I don't care. It's not the same. This was, this is a finite resource. When you see somebody like Kanoa in that heat, which we'll discuss later, where his he's in sixth, he wants to get into fit. He needs to win this heat in order to make it to the top five, to serve for a world title, which is his life's dream. And the 30 seconds on the clock, I think he needs a nine and this wave approaches and it's not a huge gaping one, but it's a long running one. And you have to like really know Bob and weave and make, and he has priority. He takes that wave and he starts doing his thing. That moment, the, the kind of um, finite resource that happens to show up in that moment. And then Kanoa applying everything that he does, like that is the essence of why we love competitive surfing and why we get so angry when we're, when we aren't given the opportunity to see this level of competitive surfing, it's just magical, you know? And so that whole day, I mean, I was exhausted by the end of the day because um, they must've run 10 hours of competition, I would say. And so it was just utter exhaustion at the end of it, but also exactly what professional surfing, uh, competitive surfing should try to kind of achieve at every event around the world. It's not enough to say, oh, well, we have two or three good spots. So now we need four or five beach breaks. We have access to the best waves in the world. We know the fork. We know how to forecast. We know when they're going to be at their best and we can be running in waves like this all the time. And there's just no reason not to. So, yeah. And a um, couple things based on what you said, I, I don't get angry anymore that they're having events at less than stellar spots. I just don't watch. I just don't have, I'm just going somewhere else. There's no like yeah. anger. It's just like, okay, move on. You know, if mm -hmm. I guess they don't want me, you know? And, yeah. um, and so this event was sort of both the like tip of the spear and also the death knell of, of expectations, you know, like you, we have to, and the thing is, is that it's not difficult to attempt what they pulled off, you know, last week, a couple of days ago. I'm not right. saying they're going to get it every time, but they're definitely not going to get it by holding events at less at, at spots that when it's on, it's nowhere near what we just saw. And, you know, so, you know, the waves of the stars, we've been calling for this for probably 15 years. I, you know, it's, it's a no brainer to me and I think it's doable, but they, they would have to, change completely their tack here and i don't think that part's doable i don't think they're willing to change their tack yeah it's um the goal like at the very top needs to just be put the best surfers in the best waves and that's not the goal of the wsl clearly 
And so, yeah, you're right. They'd have to change that and then everything down from there. Well, I mean, look, you and I have done this. We've done a whiteboard on this. We would simply go, okay, where are the best waves? You know, like, let's get surf, let's get Kevin Wallace and get everyone to just get a breakdown of where the waves pump during what time of the year. Let's like, you know, you would just write out the waves. Okay, Indo, blah, 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 you know, Chopu, blah, 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 J-Bay, blah, blah, blah. You know, you would just bang it out. And yeah, and they, they often like refer back sort of nostalgically about the dream tour. It's like, look, it's still doable. Completely. It's more doable six, now than six, ever. Maybe eight events. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So anyway, we've harped on this forever. And I just, I think they've heard us. I'm not sure they're going to be able to adapt. <laughs> and somebody is. The bottom line is yeah. that there's, the sports world is ripe for disruption. And I think um, the Saudi-based golf league would, would prove that out. Yep. Agreed. Well, on to the event itself. Yeah. Look, um, a couple of highlights. I think the, the wild card, Kauli Vast, making a run all the way through, not something that surprised us. Both the wild cards, Nathan Hedge and Kauli Vast, um, it's great because it, it proves that the waves are the stars. It proves that you can put Clay Marzo out there and, and Clay Marzo could beat the best in the world or the so-called best in the world, I guess you could say. Um, so the two wild cards uh, and the one and Vahini Fierro, the three wild cards really stand out here as um, proof positive that disruption can and should occur and that it's good for, it's good for the storyline. Yeah. We'll start with, Kayuli. Um, so he's a local wild card. He won the trials. He's um, ridden arguably the biggest paddle wave out there ever that's been documented. So he's been kind of on the come up for the last you know few few years or so. He's been on everybody's radar. Interestingly, Kelly Slater's Slater Designs um, sponsored him for a period of time, and so they came up against one another i think in the semifinals yep um semis yeah and so he's a you know he is a quote wild card because he's not on tour but he's also the person who you might bet money on winning the event um and he lived up to his expectations basically is what happened in it was uh highlighted nowhere more than in that heat against kelly slater it was certainly highlighted in his very first round heat where the previous two or three heats, everybody was a little bit out of sorts and not able to find the right waves because the swell was just kind of coming together. Um, he was able to find good waves in that heat, but then when the waves really turned on, he continued his run and just put together two eights in every single heat essentially. And, um, we talked about last week him getting that switch stance barrel and you were arguing for how that kind of is innovation or is the direction that uh, surfing will be going to advance. He did it again in the heat against Kelly. And this was a really interesting heat and we should probably pick it apart. Ultimately what happened was Kelly sat out the back waiting for a bomb is what it looked like and did not surf a wave for 25 minutes. So Kayuli sat, did what I just explained that he knows how to do. He knows the reef. So he kind of stayed busy and he got maybe not eights, but certainly sevens. I think he had four sevens by the time Kelly caught a wave. So Kelly was comboed 
with two and two or three minutes left in the heat and the entire and Kaiuli was getting those sevens early, like within two minutes. And so Kelly had his back against the wall the entire time. And it's something that we never see Kelly do. Like Kelly does that to other people, essentially. And even if his plan A goes out the window, he has plans B, C, D, all the way through Z. And he's one step ahead of his competitor. So that was a really strange heat to watch. And I had people messaging me saying, is he throwing this heat for some reason? Is there something in the rankings that, and I don't think that Kelly was because he's just never thrown a heat before and he never does anything like that. And I think he would want to win this event uh, more than anything else, but it was a bizarre heat to watch. Bizarre behavior from Kelly. Yeah, I don't know if it was bizarre behavior. My feeling is, is that he had a strategy going against what he deemed probably the best surfer right now at Shoku, uh, contest or not. And he realized that for him to beat this kid, he needed he was going to need two nines. And he was like, I'm going out there and I'm going to sit and I'm going to I'm going to try to will a killer set wave that's from the south that also has a west ball throwing on it. So I can, you know, backdoor that last set. You know, he, I just think that he's like, and I'm not, and he went out there going, and I'm not changing. Like, I'm not changing my strategy. Like, it's going to take two nines. And yeah, so his, to me, that saying. means two set waves. Even though I know that Kauli was getting scorable waves underneath, I just think it, he was like, it's this, you know, or nothing. Like, I've so gotten it was- two nines before out here. A nine specific. And a I've gotten two tens. I've gotten three tens. Right. But it was specific to his competitor. He wouldn't yeah. have applied that strategy with somebody else necessarily. No. Yeah. That makes sense. But it just is strange for him to not change his strategy because I agree with you. He, but my, my argument against you would be that he's gone out there with that strategy in the past. But like I said, has plan B, C, and D yeah. for when things aren't going his way. I don't think there was any other plan than yeah. two nines on two set waves or well, the super trippy conspiracy theory that was sent to me by a listener was this was an ode to Felipe. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and he's like, you know what? In honor of Felipe, I'm not going to catch any waves in my heat. Why would it be honoring Felipe in any way? I don't know. It was just some silly thing some guy sent me, like as a joke, like because of Felipe's round one heat. Well, I um, what you say may be true, and if it is, it's an indicator that Kelly has lost some of his competitive prowess because this wouldn't have happened to him. I don't in think so. Any, I don't, in any look, time he, that I can he's remember, he's a fifty-year-old man that made the semis at eight to ten foot chopu. I don't think there's any loss of competitive prowess. If anything, you know, he realized what he had to do and he was willing to do it, but this, the big sets didn't come for him. And, and you know, in some ways, sticking to your strategy is, you know, you could argue that that's, I don't want to say competitive prowess, but the guy knows what he's doing. He hasn't lost a, a step. Yeah, he has. And it's obvious. A, a, a losing semifinals in perfect tropes it wasn't it was it was is a is a failure for kelly anything less than first (laughs) for him is a failure you're right it wasn't so that's another thing that's worth stating is um 
the day of days was actually not the final day of competition. It was the day before the final day of competition where I said they ran 10 hours and that was really perfect kind of big, scary surf. The finals day it was smaller, but it was also a lot less consistent. So it was, it's kind of a letdown or we're not, I'm not complaining about it because it's just the nature of the sport, but um, certainly a come down off of the day before. Well, what's, what's interesting about it all is that with less competitors yeah. and um, overlapping heats, we could, we could do this whole thing, um, you know, in less time. Yep. Better Completely. Ways. Completely. Um, the other wild card that you mentioned, which is uh, just such a fantastic story is Nathan Hedge. Yep. And um we talked about him in the last show because when he was selected as the wild card, the sponsor wild card, because of his affiliation with Outer Known, the internet was a little bit, they had a fun time with it. They weren't up in arms, but they had a fun time with it because Nathan Hedge is 43 years old. And I think anybody in the know knew that Nathan had real potential at this venue, but yeah. still wanted to make fun. Um, Nathan kicked everybody in the teeth. Nathan made everybody totally. look stupid. And it was incredible to watch. I mean, I, I found myself not really having an opinion on Nathan going into it. I became a huge fan. I've always admired his surfing, but you know, you could sub him out with somebody else and I'd be just as happy. By the end of this event, I'm like rooting for Nathan. I wanted Nathan and I love Jack Robinson. I was rooting for Nathan to beat Jack Robinson in that heat because it's just such a good story. And he's so likable too, you know, his work ethic. Yeah. The whole thing, the whole thing's like uh, Hollywood scripted, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty awesome. And yeah, we, we, so, everyone in the know knew that this was not somebody to mess with and he proved it. Well, so Nathan, um, he beat Felipe Toledo in that first kind of big, uh, matchup as the wild card he's going to be facing the top seated surfers yeah so he beat felipe toledo um which we'll get to felipe as well in a minute and then drew jack robinson so number one and number two and jack robinson as you stated stab wrote an article about him last week saying can anyone beat jack robinson well turns out a 43 year old wild card can beat him and not um, well, but it's not a knock to Jack Robinson. It's more on the plus side for Nathan Hedge. Well, because it's not yes, like because Jack it didn't wasn't do like what was required, and it wasn't like there weren't enough waves in the heat. Right. There was no circumstance that was responsible for this. They went out there and went blow for blow. And when Jack posted an eight five, Nathan was on the next wave, and he made it a nine. You know, and it was actually not that. It was Jack had Nathan against the wall, and Nathan exactly. turned it around in like two minutes time. Got one big score, got out of the combo, and then boom, got another big score on the paddle out. And what I love about Nathan's surfing at this venue is um, it looks, it's the thing that we talk about in the past where it's teetering on um, falling at all times. We used to talk about this with Matty Wilkinson, where it's like, he's real explosive and he'll be like leaning into a bottom turn and it goes up and hits it. And you're not sure it's not exactly perfect, but it's always on the verge of like, he might spin out or he might, he blew too much tail and he's going to like lose control. And then he lands it. That's what Nathan's doing in big waves. He's kind of paddling in under the ledge, 
hanging up in the lip just a little bit too long. So he gets a little bit of air under his board, stopping it, barely missing, getting lipped in the head. And I feel like other surfers, maybe Kayuli, would surf that exact same wave more seamlessly. And it's beautiful and it's flawless. But the little element of uh, surprise, I guess, that Nathan is including by just doing everything slightly not perfectly adds a point or two to the score. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's he's kind of got that do or die vibe about the way he when and I mean a couple times he did die. I know that at least one time he went <laughs> over the falls, <laughs> so he was he was kind of teetering there. And that wave makes most drops and situations, um, you know, feel a little bit sketchy. Well, you, you're taking off as the wave's running. You know, you're not taking you're not backdooring a section or anything. You're that thing's charging down the reef. Um, so yeah, Nathan kudos has not lost a step. The guy looks more fit by the way, than he did when he was on tour. Um, so real inspirational story, I think. Yeah, for sure. Great story. And a dozen, a dozen eight to 10 point rides, uh, potential rides were in that heat too. It was just nonstop waves, you know, like a dozen flawless waves came through. So it was great to see those two guys go back to back. And the only real um, consequence for Jack Robinson in that heat was that he's going to remain in second place on finals day. Had he made the finals of this event, he would have then uh, finished first for the season and Felipe would have got bumped down to second. So Jack, of course, would have loved to win the heat. He would have loved to win the event itself, but you know, yeah. he still has second place on finals yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Felipe, ready to begin. Felipe, the big question mark for you and I last week and years leading into this was, uh, is Felipe scared? Will Felipe go in good waves? Interestingly, that day of days, his first heat in the water, he did not catch a wave until the two minute mark. And the wave that he did catch was a tiny one and he had ample opportunity. So that heat in real time, I could not believe it. Like it was, he was against Kelly and Nathan hedge. And those guys were just trading crazy waves. Felipe sat with priority for 25 minutes and a wave would stack on the horizon. He'd paddle straight over the thing. He wasn't even really looking at going on waves and it was, it was unbelievable. Like there's no other explanation other than he's scared. Like it was insane actually that you could be number one in the world. You could be the top level of the sport and not, it's also what makes surfing so great is that it is that scary. It's that harrowing, you know, anyways, that would have been all that we talked about for the entirety of today's show, except later in the day in his elimination round, he again drew Nathan Hedge because Kelly won the first heat and um, he actually got a few waves in that heat. So what are your thoughts on the waves that he got in that heat? Um, my thoughts are that he sort of did like um, a bit of a safety dance in that heat. Um, he definitely caught some good waves and got some good scores. But um, specifically, he got a seven and a seven, eight, three. But I just, I just don't think he has um, world champion 
caliber moxie and um and i think everybody saw it i mean let's i would you agree with me that in that next heat he didn't catch the biggest waves of the heat he didn't catch the gnarliest waves of the heat he caught what i would say were smart waves waves that he knew he was going to make that had an easy in and out relative to the spot of course i'm not here to beat up on felipe i just i've i'll just say this that Felipe just sort of cemented um, our feelings about him, in my opinion, that he just he just did what he ha- had to do to lose his elimination heat and to and to feel like he could wave his hand and go, see, I did catch a wave. As yeah. opposed to in the first heat where it was kind of a little bit more raw, the swell was no one it was everyone was kind of testing it out still. Um, I think it was heat four the first heat and i don't know i'm just i i'm not i i can't sit here and say that he's feels like a world champion to me well okay but do you feel like he got the monkey off his back to use your phrase uh i think he did just enough to make the monkey smaller but I still let's put it this way: if they had a contest there next month, we'd be talking just the, the exact same way we talked last week, which yeah. is, does Felipe have what it takes? Like, there's still a question mark. That's so. It. I fully agree with you. I would have preferred he did not catch any waves in that next heat because it would allow us. It would give us a lot more talking points, and we can kind of continue with this story. Well, I don't want to beat. I don't want to beat well, up Felipe. I would love to be able to put my foot in my mouth and eat crow here and say, yeah. Against Kelly and Hedgie, he took off on bombs and did or didn't make them, but he was trying. And well, to not try could is. have been a could have been a competitive thing. It could have been like, there's no way I'm gonna beat Hedgie or Slater anyway. I'm not, not gonna try to hurt myself. I know I'm drawing um, the last seat in the next round, and I'll just roll the dice then. That'd be a weird strategy. I mean, that's the only one you either that <laughs> or, or he's afraid. Us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going with he's afraid. And I think, and so it would be more, it would be a lot easier for us if he had not caught any waves in that next heat, because uh, our arguments would just be completely rock solid. You know, we'd have enough evidence in as it is now, because he got those two waves. We could still win the case in a court of law, but he's got, we got to sit, we got to sit there and listen through his counter arguments at this point now, you know, and we're like, oh God, okay, we're going to have to work a little harder to convince the jury. Um, (laughs) We can refer back to other events at this spot. (laughs) Right. But, but he could say that was then, this is now, and now I've kind of look at these two sevens that I got, you know, but I agree with you when you look at those two sevens, clearly he knows how to paddle into waves grab rail and go backside because he's done it at a lot of other venues in the world. So he applied his skill set to those two waves. But the question of, is he not afraid? He is still afraid. And yeah, Kelly's still afraid out there too. I'm sure Jack Robinson's afraid. Felipe is afraid to a greater degree. And then there's the element of what you're talking about, which is world champ. Like, can we accept him, quote unquote, as our world champ? And what that comes down to is how much confidence do you have in that surf? How much kind of, I don't know, um, 
I guess, yeah, ability level or whatever, like he's going to go out there and he's going to do the bare minimum and try to survive. And that's not the heart that you want in the world champ. You want somebody who's going to go out there and try to best the ocean. Yeah, and he's I want, not. Yeah. I want, um, I want brave heart, you know, I want. Exactly. And look, I look at it like this. If they did what we told them they should do, which is have the lowers <clears> event, <throat> the last event of the year, and then have the finals day at eight to 10 foot Chopu, we would know that he, he is not, not a world champion. champion. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it. I kind of feel yeah. like, okay, yeah, look, I mean, you know, we could put friggin' Jack Freestone at lowers and he could maybe have a run and be the world champion, yep. you know, or whoever. My point is whoever. But yep. there's only a handful of guys, you know, that we – well, there's there's guys that we know can't do it at Chopu. And if you can't do it at Chopu, you're not a world champion. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. Um, well, the other thing that was interesting, I, I was trying to pull it up here while we were talking um, – he took to Instagram after that heat and he was like, congratulations to Nathan Hedge, but I feel like my two sevens were underscored, but whatever <laughs> I'm now, whatever I'm now look, moving on towards uh, trestles. And then the echo chamber of all of his fans were like, you don't need to prove anything to anybody. And his dad too, his dad gave a long one. That was exactly that sentiment of like, you're already a champion. You don't need to prove anything to anybody. And uh, look, he's I was one of the gr greatest surfers in the world. We're no one's saying that. All we're saying is go out and let's call a spade a spade. Advance, what we're saying. advance through some heats. Just yeah. advance through some heats. You know. So look at Jadson Andre. I feel like Jadson Andre, and I, there's other examples too. Miguel Puga. Jad well, no, Jadson. The example I was trying to give was. Jadson does not have the um, ability Pedigree. level, yeah. the ability level of Felipe or Miguel Pupo, but he sends it all the time, whether it's sunset or yeah. small, anywhere it goes, he sends it the box, you know, sends and then he it. eats it. He eats it so hard. And then he shows up next time and does the exact same thing again. When you watch him stand up on a surfboard, it's very evident that he is not a top 10 surfer. You know, so Felipe, who is kind of the top 10 given talent, doesn't have the heart of the Jadson Andre in this example. Great, and so and, yeah. and so that's that's where we can uh, where we have a hard time fully, fully supporting, you know, yeah. and like like you said, I don't want to make fun of or, you know, overly criticize. And I'm also just as subject to being won over as is the case with Nathan Hedge in this event, where it's like, I don't have an opinion. And then by the end, I'm rooting for him against the guy who I do love, you know? And so I'm open to that happening with Felipe. He just needs to do what Joanne DeFay did on that day one event, you know? Yeah, I mean, and also like the the sort of the people in his camp that are that are like, you don't need to prove anything. Like just having to say that suggests that he's not the guy that's going to send it. Exactly. You know, like what you would have seen in his Instagram thing was way to send it, <laughs> but right. you didn't see anyone saying way to send it. You saw people going, don't worry, bro. You're still, you know, like, and again, um, look, these are professional athletes. I don't have anything against Philippe Toledo personally. And frankly, I don't even give a shit that much about his world title because whereas, you know, like 
I'm semi-invested mm-hmm. in surfing as a sport. I'm, I'm more into the who's going to send it in eight foot waves. And if that's in the format of a contest, fine. Yeah. You know, even better yeah. actually, but if it's, you know, well, so, we had plenty of those too in this event. And yeah, I, I just, I just, at the end of the day, he's not the guy who's going to send it. And if you, if you said, Hey, we're going to have 10 guys in a, we're going to have 20 guys in a contest of Chopu pick your 20. I don't think Felipe is in your list. No, he's not even in the top hundred. That's my point. Um, but we're open to him showing up and proving us wrong, and he doesn't. I want him to. We want yeah. him to. So speaking of send it and people who you would not have expected, this was perhaps my highlight of the entire event, which was full of highlights. Matthew McGillivray. Yes. What a what a final couple <laughs> seconds of a heat he had. I mean. Are you kidding me with this kid? That he was super exciting. Kind of back and yeah. forth, as I recall. Yeah. Which, who was he surfing against? Is it Kyle? No. Let me, I'll find it. Um, I'm talking about the one where he got his 10. Because in his elimination round, he beat Baron Mamiya, which was also a good heat. The thing was, he was building momentum through the event where you go. Yeah. He didn't go really, like, yeah, he just kept going up. But, and each heat you go, okay, he's actually worth watching this kid's kind of insane okay he got that 10 against uh yeah samuel pupo that's right and you're you're right it was back and forth sammy had an eight nine three and a seven five and then matt got that 10 and then was liable to lose with the 10 and then he got the backup of a seven um and sammy pupo deserves a shout as well because leading into this event I said last week, you said something about him. And I go, oh, I have no idea how he does in big waves, forgetting the fact that he did so well at pipe this year. And then when I watched him in this event, I go, oh yeah, that he charges and he's just as kind of confident and deft in big surf as he is in small surf. So he's, I'm a huge fan of him. And they're, those two guys, their performances were rising heat yeah. by heat by heat, you know? So Matthew McGillivray is, um, Every, if you just look at him, if you look at, uh, I don't know, his uh, aesthetic or whatever, he is not exciting. He's kind of a guy you could easily write off as B. Dervich or a long list of kind of others who are like, okay, he's got all the fundamentals and, um, but no thrilling thing to kind of wrap your marketing around if you were a brand, except he goes out there and does some of the most phenomenal and unexpected surfing. And he's been doing it in event after event after event. And so who he was traveling with last year on tour, they were both rookies together was Morgan Siblick. And Morgan was the guy who it was easy. You see the two of them and you just go, Oh, Morgan's the one who's got more flash. He's funnier. He's got a charisma when he's in his post heat interviews, all this stuff. And interestingly, the quiet, other one is the guy who's actually got more staying power. You know, Morgan fell off tour after getting fifth last year, fourth, um, fell off tour this year. And Matt is doing surfing that will be around forever. And uh, this 10 that he got is the wave that, I mean, in know, in an event of highlights, this I think was the highlight of the event. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew McGillivray. It was cool. And I, you know, again, it's like next year when they have this event, we're all going to be going, yeah, Matthew McGivory could, could 
take this thing out. Like, there's no monkey. No. There's no monkey. <clears throat> well, you know? the, and, the and I look point... at Jordy. Jordy's a great example. Jordy absolutely charges and has charged for a long time out there. But his first couple of years on tour, um, I don't even know if they, yeah, they did go to Choku then, but, um, you know, he, he just got better and better. Like there's, there's only a couple of guys where you're like, I don't think he can do it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because they don't, it doesn't look like they want it. Exactly. They're not going to yeah. send it. They're not yeah. going to send it. Jordy's well, going to send it. Matthew's going to send it. Jadson's going to send it. All the Brazilians I think are sending it. Well, other than Felipe. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, to see guys, the rookies like Sammy show up and, you know, uh, want it and Caleb Robson show up and want it is all that you want to see. Like, I don't expect them to get 10 point rides like Maddie did, but you, you expect them to want it and want to be there. Um, but Maddie's 10 point ride, I'm going to try to explain it and tell people they need to watch it. Cause I was, it was in the afternoon here. I think like four 30 in the afternoon, I was holding our baby, like trying to entertain him. So I'm like moving around, but it's on the big screen. So I'm trying to watch at the same time. And I saw him take off on that wave and do like the free fall nose poke. And then because the nose pokes, the tail slides way down to the bottom of the face. It's like almost half of a cartwheel is kind of what he did on that takeoff on an insane wave. And I gave up. I'm holding the baby and like making little noises for him. And I see it and I just immediately mentally like check out, you know, and then I see the wave just rifling and spit. And I'm like, wow, that was a sick wave. Too bad he ate it hard on the takeoff. And then boom, he comes flying out of the cannon. And I, I audibly was like, what? And then the commentators do the what? And then they show the replay. And it's equally as baffling when you're analyzing every frame of that. It is insane. And because of that half cartwheel on the way down, it actually put him deeper in the barrel and in a better position. And the question there is, can you actually get into a... Well, it's almost barrel, it's barrel, kinda, barrel riding forward momentum stance once you land, that, and somehow he did. And it seemed like there was when that happens when you lose the fins, you lose a lot of speed. You, lo you yeah. lose a lot of drive from the fins that you've already got going. So it seemed to me that he was kind of at a dead stop at some point. And he somehow was able to be in like kind of the perfect position and body, whatever, to drive once he landed. But he was, again, deeper than he would have been if he did surfed that wave perfectly. And so because he was so deep, then it becomes the race through the barrel, which was more exciting. So the, the heroin takeoff, nobody else would have made. I don't even know how he made it. And it was also like there was water in his face. You know, there was like maybe a little breath from the wave. And so it was just like there was so much chaos. And he stuck it and then rode it perfectly. And I mean, it was just tens across the board like Absolutely. there's no better way yeah it was, it was insane. crazy hats off crazy. tip of the cap way to send and that it. <laughs> and that was that was one too that it's like that day had eight yeah. storyline things like storyline for the season highlight moments that were just would have made uh you know headlines around the world on any other day of surfing but there was eight of them it was like the Nathan Hodge hedge story, that story, the Kanoa making bumping Griffin out story, 
Um, on the women's side too, somebody got bumped in a similar fashion. That was the next day, but it was like, at the end of the day, I forgot, you know, it's like literally three or four important days of surfing crammed into one is what it felt like. Um, couple things about the production. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I will say this, if we'll go back to Felipe real quick. Yes. Strider was the only one that I sensed was like going, dude doesn't send it. He more or less yeah. said that in a very safe, smart, you know, um, way. Tactful. And tactful way. Thank you. Um, Peter Mel basically said the monkey's off his back as far as I'm concerned. He more or less said it, said that, not in those words, but he said after he caught those two waves in his elimination heat, Peter's like, Felipe knows how to do it. And well, those are two different heats. So let's go back to the first one where Felipe did yeah. not catch a wave until the last two minutes. The two commentators did not acknowledge it. Full exactly. stop. Exactly. I, I watched, I actually had the volume down when I watched the heat live, but that afternoon I watched the heat again, just to listen to every word the commentator said, because I was curious about this exact thing. I think it might've been Laura Enever and Joe Turpel maybe in the booth. And they did not acknowledge, they did not even say, Hey, it's weird that Felipe has been sitting for 20 minutes. Like it was as if they knew he's afraid. And so we're not going to even bring up the conversation because that's a fail. We'll, it, it's an entire fail. It's the, the commentators should always be reflecting what the viewing experience is. And then of course, adding to it, creating context, providing more information, but they need to be reflecting what it is that we're feeling. Everyone on the, the internet is thinking yes. the same thing and they're all on YouTube chiming in on yes. the friggin' little, uh, you know, message area there where you can chat alongside. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, it would be of benefit to Felipe if those guys said something. He would probably be like, okay, let me prove Joe wrong. Or not, you know, Joe. Like, I get it. The, I don't expect Joe and Laura Enver to be critical. It's just not their makeup. Um, so, I disagree. Like, look, they are professional commentators. I'm, not, I'm just saying I, it doesn't surprise me that they didn't say anything. It's a fail on their part. Too I agree. Because, total fail. But, but are you here's surprised the thing. that they didn't say anything? Those two. I'm not, I'm not surprised. What my point is, we, we should expect more of them. Absolutely. It's you can be critical and be tactful. You can be, you can, you know, it, this is the reality is this is the truth. Right. I'm not asking you to be mean. Of I'm course. I'm asking you to just and talk a professional, about what's obvious. And if your job is commentary, you're a professional talker. You should be able to hold critical thought in your head that you can communicate effectively. Like it's insane to me that they get a free pass and that they're not expected to do that. And of course it's uh, uh, probably a mandate to a certain degree from the WSL to not, you know, I don't think it's a mandate to not, yeah, I don't think it's a mandate to not be truthful. And I don't think it's a no, mandate it's not. to not be critical, yeah. but I think that there will be consequences if you're mean or if you're rude oh, for sure. and those commentators don't have the confidence that they could walk that line yeah. and be critical without being construed as mean, because yeah. 
cancel culture and somebody yeah. on the internet will call you out for being quote mean, even if yeah. you weren't. And yeah. the WSL leadership doesn't have the, um, well, they're just walking balls. on such eggshells yeah. because they're like, Oh my God, we all the you know, we barely exactly. got sponsorship and now our sponsors are pulling out because somebody told the truth about. Exactly. So know. they don't have the balls to stand up for what they know is right. Or for against the internet if the internet decides they want to cancel Joe Turpel. And so Joe doesn't have a reason to be critical. And this is a huge problem. Yeah. But I, you know, it's funny. I think about other sports and maybe it's just because um, surfing is just such, it's on such a, you know, bad footing, you know, like it could all crumble. Whereas when you think of like basketball or baseball or football or the big ones, they thrive they expect critical discussion yeah. from their from their com their, especially their color commentator totally yeah i think that's a very they've got a solvent business and they've got more people throwing money at them than they know what to do with so they can kind of pick their direction yeah um and yeah i feel yeah you're right the wsl does not have that one other thing i want to bring up maybe i'm being hypercritical but did you kind of get a little squeamish when that when Eric Logan did the trophy presentation on the boat, yeah, 100%. that seemed way too like. It's obviously planned out that I want to be the face of the of the WSL. I don't trust anyone else to be the face of the WSL. I'm the I'm the CEO or president or whatever. I'm going to now get in front of, of, and I'm going to be the guy that sends the messaging that does the messaging. Um, it seemed a little, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to put my finger on it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, but I just didn't, it didn't feel authentic, I guess. Um, you're not wrong, but that's not the best example that showcases what it is that you're sensing. Because every other CEO go Sophie Goldschmidt, Paul speaker, they all also did award ceremony presentations at certain events throughout the year. Yeah. Um, but I think Eric Logan is a sycophant to a certain degree that those people never were. And so he is a huge fan of surfing. He's by the way, also a new fan of surfing, but he's a huge fan of surfing and he idolizes those guys and wants like Instagram and post Instagram photos with the biggest shaka, like, oh my, like how awesome is Kelly Slater, you know? And that sycophantry, if that's even a word, <laughs> is is what you're sensing. And it, I, I'm yeah. not going to say it's a conflict of interest because it's not a conflict of interest, but it's a little inappropriate, I think, is what it is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It feels unprofessional a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I fully but agree with whatever. you. Whatever. Again, that's nitpicking, and I don't really give a shit that much. Well, I, I just want um, the best surfers in the best ways. One thing I handle. did, yeah. you kind of touched on this, but I did have it in my notes, is um, I wanted to say a shout out and thanks and congratulations to Outer Known. Like, I know the WSL has struggled to find sponsorship at various events, and I commented last year on Rip Curl's tremendous success coming out of COVID and kind of cleaning up and like taking all of sponsoring a bunch of events, branding finals day. I think rip curl made one of the savviest business moves last year from a marketing standpoint, probably got things, these sponsorships for 
cheaper than they ever would have before and really branded the year as their own and had a super successful year as a result. I feel like Outer Known um, had a lot of success with this event as well. Like they drove their messaging home, the Kelly storyline, uh, his sea jeans kind of campaign that they're doing, the Nathan Hedge storyline. I think they did a really effective job at, you know, creating their relevance in the surf space, essentially. Totally agree. I, um, shout out to Outer Known for doing that, for being a and part supporting, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting that event. And, um, and it feels like really the first time that me personally, I'm like, Outer Known's a surf company. Like I always kind of saw them as like, I don't know. I never saw them as like a true surf company, more of a lifestyle company, you know? Yeah. But um, anyway, good work. Yeah. Thank well, you good work. Morning. Well, good work. And it's important. I want to see these events be successful, especially the good events, you know, in good waves and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm, and I know, like I said, the WSL has struggled to find support. And so when they get it, I'm excited that it pays off for the brands that are actually footing the bill. You know, I'm, I want them to benefit from it. Should be a return on everybody's investment. Let me ask you this. Do you so. feel like you missed anything from this event? Was there anything that was missing? Yes. Yes. The women running on that day of days. Yeah. So we talked last week, they ran the women on two days, the day prior to the swell. And then the day that the swell was filling in, then the day was pumping, no women in the water. And then when the swells on the decline, women in the water again. And on that day, they did some surfing that uh, blew away what we saw at the beginning of the event. Courtney Conlog, namely, um, uh, who then went on to win the event, Brissa Hennessy, uh, Vahini Fierro, there was one other, Tatiana Weston Webb as well, all got screaming waves, big waves. And a lot of the others who I didn't name at least like put their sent, head down, paddled it. over the ledge. Yes. Sent it and then made the drop and like on waves out there that look like they're going to be crazy barrels. I think you're going so fast that you end up in front of the barrel. So we saw that happening a lot with the women where really what they should have been aiming for was ones that look like closeouts because you're going so fast, you end up making those waves, but you saw the learning curve happening in real time. And that's also very exciting. And then you saw people beating the learning curve, like Courtney Conlog and actually getting shacked on crazy waves. And so that was exciting, but you can't have equality without equal opportunity. And they, the WSL bangs that drum of equality, but then on the day to make the decision, they don't allow equal opportunity. And I think that their rationale and their reasoning is we want them to prove themselves in lesser waves first. And then, because maybe there's a liability for the WSL, we can't have somebody go out there and get hurt essentially. But again, to my point, quit banging the drum. You can't bang the equality drum and then not allow equal opportunity. Well, at the risk of sounding... I guess misogynistic because I don't want to sound that way, but I'm glad they ran the men in the good waves. And if they spent four hours with the women in those waves, and then we got the men in those next, in the next day when it was fading, I'd have been a little disappointed. 
you're saying you're saying that based on the assumption that the women would have not surfed well out there. Because what you want to see is somebody charging and getting shacked, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. So what if that person was Courtney Conlog? And because what you ended up getting was Felipe. So if you had <laughs> oh my God. Because if you here's my question to you. <laughs> Two out of three heats, Courtney versus Felipe, eight to ten foot Chopu, who wins? That'd be a great event. Based on Felipe's sevens, you know, you could make an argument for Felipe, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that'd be a great event. It would be. So like, that's uh, that's kind of my point. Bobby Riggs you, versus uh, Billy Jean King. That's kind of my point is that you just want to see people sending it. <laughs> yeah, God, why? We need a new word. We need I a know. new phrase. Well, we I'm need. Just... So that's what you want to see. And you're presuming that the girls won't. I'm saying you put them out in shifty conditions and that was hard for everybody. But you put them out in the big, like you got to give them, or maybe you're right. In the WSL, then shouldn't be talking about equality all the time if they're not going to give them the chance. You know what well, I mean? Well, that's kind of what you're saying. Like, don't beat the drum if if you feel yeah. like they can't do it. Yeah. But I I still feel like put them out there on the day of days, and if they all fail, if Courtney doesn't do what she did on the next day, then we have a real clear answer on what equality looks like and whether or not we should be running the system the way that it is, which is disingenuous. Yeah. So, so we'd have an answer by the end of the event rather than doing what they did at pipe. Now they're doing it again. And they did the exact same thing that I just explained about this event. They did that at pipe as well. And now they're doing it again. And so we're all just going to kind of roll our eyes every time they talk about equality and know that like, we're not actually going to see them being put in the best surf, you know, or well, being allowed to surf the best surf. I do have a hard out here this morning. Um, yeah, we covered a lot. I want to say this, though, that if you're not a STAB premium member, I think, and you're, wonder, and you're wondering if you should become a STAB premium member, I think now's the time to do it because of this, um, you know, the surf industry, how surfers get paid. Episode one just went live this weekend, and it's pretty damn good. And it's, I'm pretty, I'm looking forward. I've watched about half of the first episode. Have you seen this yet? I haven't watched it yet. It's pretty good because it opens up with the whole Jordy versus Paul Nade Billabong thing that went down in, in the, you know, the turn of the century around 2000 when Jordy was just 17 years old and he gets handed a subpoena on the beach at the U.S. Open. He's getting sued by Billabong. It's insane. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, Jamie Tierney is, is editing that and working on that and um, was in the thick of the boom years for surfing and just has all of those stories, you know? And um, so, I yeah, it's interesting. It we have just enough time has passed to where all those people are still super active and they're actually ready to tell those stories, you know, like they lived it. They have no ties to the industry anymore. And no reason not to tell the stories. And so I think it'll be, it's an epic idea. Well, it's, it's pretty, the very beginning is fascinating because, you know, they got Paul Nade on, on, uh, on film basically. And he won't mention the surfer's name. He won't, he just kind of like takes the high road or like the political road. And then you get Jordy and Jordy's like, basically, fuck you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, it's a very interesting story. It's it's 
I, it's totally worth like you're gonna oh, be yeah. stoked you watched it it's I've, it's pretty, on my list i'm it's pretty in depth pretty good shit yeah. um and we'll discuss that i guess at length next week then but i do want to say because we didn't hit it uh miguel pupo congrats miguel pupo for winning this event um he drew kylie vost in the final and delivered his finest performance in that heat and he i think had let me see i can look up his scores real quick he had a nine and an eight one seven in that final so that was spectacular to see and then on the women's side courtney conlog versus brissa hennessy also a stellar event uh or a stellar uh heat and performance throughout the event by courtney conlog yeah yeah it was good it was good stuff good event great event great event of the season except for pipe was kind of the event of the season both Pipe was the event of the season this is a close second for sure yeah and then we're off who to guessed it? Who would have guessed it? We <laughs> Pipe and Chopu events of the season. Shocking. Yeah. I had, um, I actually had Kauli Vost as my f- double points fantasy surfer guy. I got to go see how I did in my league. I've been uh, horrifically in last place for the entire bit. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. And my wife. Well, congrats. <laughs> Sorry, just have to come, Did you see that guy? Coming to check out. Move along. Coming Nothing to, to see here. <laughs> okay, well, I got to go. But you know what? What a great show. <laughs> what, do you got to go take a nap after that, Yon? <laughs> no. Uh, pickleball, bros. No. <laughs> hey, let me quickly say this. Um, yes. Boardroom International Surfboard Show coming up October 8th and 9th. Tickets are on sale now. You can save money by buying tickets online. Go to boardroomshow.com. And we also have the VIP dinner and a surfboard with Timmy Patterson, which is obviously selling out quick. So if you want to be a part of that, get in there for that three-course meal and a shaped blank. And, um, a, you know, two hours, three hours to hang out with Timmy and talk story. It's going to be good stuff. And, uh, yeah, October 8th. Awesome. Delmar Fair. Let's, let's give a shout-out, too, to Real Water Sports. Realwatersports.com are giving away that surfboard. Just go in there, click surfboard giveaway. If you get selected as the winner on September 13th, uh, you get to choose from any one of any of the boards that are in their 1500 board inventory. So no reason not to do that. Heck yeah. Real water sports. If you want a free surfboard, why wouldn't you go just do it? Do it. Okay. David, until right. next time. Adios and aloha. Everyone considered him the coward of the county. He had never stood one single time to prove His mama named him Tommy, but folks just called him Yellow. Something always told me they were reading Tommy wrong. He was only ten years old when his daddy died in prison. I looked after Tommy cause he was my brother's son. I still recall the final words my brother said to Tommy Son, my life is over, but yours has just begun Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done Walk away from trouble if you can It won't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek I hope you're old enough to understand
Son, you don't have to fight to be a man There's someone for everyone And Tommy's love was Becky In her arms he didn't have to prove he was a man One day while he was working The Gatlin boys came calling They took turns at Becky And there was three of them Tommy opened up the door and saw his Becky crying. The torn dress, the shattered look was more than he could stand. He reached above the fireplace and took down his daddy's picture. As his tears fell on his daddy's face, he heard these words again. Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. Now, it won't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek. I hope you're old enough to understand. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man. The Gatlin boys just laughed at him. When he walked into the bar room One of them got up And met him halfway across the floor When Tommy turned around They said, hey look old yellow's leaving But you could have heard a pin drop When Tommy stopped and locked the door Twenty years of crawling Was bottled up inside him wasn't holding nothing back He let him have it all When Tommy left the bar room Not a Gatlin boy was standing He said this one's for Becky As he watched the last one fall And I heard him say I promised your dad Not to do the things you've done I'll walk away from trouble when I can Now please don't think I'm weak I didn't turn the other cheek And Papa, I sure hope you understand Sometimes you gotta fight when you're a man Everyone considered him The coward of the county When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 